Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Mary. Hey, now today I have someone who is... She is, I would, I would call her, she's an amplifier of business. She's the kind of woman who knows how to get more sales, how to book more business, and she's just sort of branched out, done a joint venture into something that sort of looks very interesting, hand in glove. She has a huge team of people working for her. By huge team, I mean Buddy the intern. He's a huge puppy, and he does a great job working for her. Please welcome to the show, Lois Creamer. It is so I'm just thrilled to be with you. I've been looking forward to this. I, I, as I mentioned to you before, I'm a fan of yours. I follow you on social media. And I'm really looking forward to this because um, I know you like to have a lot of fun on your podcasts, and I do too. So Excellent. Well, let's start with the fun question I always love to ask. And how do you define success? You've been around for a while. Um, I was first introduced to you by Shep Hyken, and I believe you That's used right. to work with Shep. I did. Um, that's how I got started in speaking. And I'll tell you, it was a total accident. Everything was a total accident. I was, um, I worked in corporate sales and marketing for a little family firm over here in the States called the United States Steel Corporation. And I had a great job there. And I got a call uh, when I was about ready to go out to lunch that the baby that my husband and I had been waiting to adopt was here and I needed to be there at three to pick her up. And I left corporate forever. I wanted to be home with that baby. So I stayed home a number of years and got a call from a friend who said, the guy next to me is looking for somebody to be his sales director. I told him to call you. And I'd been threatening <laughs> to get a job. <laughs> and um, Shep called me and I had never... Warwick, I did not even know there was an industry called speaking. And I told him, you know, I'm not your, you want somebody full time. I would only work nine to three. Um, I would need a lot of flexibility because my first priority is my child. And he said, would you have lunch? And I I said, well, okay, but I really thought this isn't going to do anything. But he sounded like such a great guy on the phone. So we went to lunch. Of course, we shook hands at the end of lunch. He bought. I started the next Monday. Unbelievable. I couldn't even believe. My husband was shocked. (laughs) And we had a great uh, collaboration. Those of you who know Shep know what a terrific guy he is. He's one of the smartest people in business that I know. And we worked a number of years together and had success. And I started my own business in 1998, uh, Mm -hmm. working with speakers. So Mm -hmm. that's how... I was introduced, in fact, the National Speakers Association, when I worked for SHIP, used to use me at their conventions to speak to staff of speakers on how to sell. So that's kind of how I got started. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really interested, you know, you've obviously family's important to you, buddy's important to you. Uh, and, and I know that you, I, a lot of my friends have worked with you and they love you. So your clients are important to you. How do you define success in what you do? Well, you know, that's a great question, and I'm not surprised by that question. By the way. <laughs> you know, I define success a little differently than some of your previous guests. I define success as having choice in life. Because to me, that's always been the biggest thing for me. I want to, you know, I make a living to live a life. I don't live a life to make a living. 
And I believe that I have kind of designed my business so that it enhances my life, quite frankly. I mean, I really like what I do. I really like what I do. I'm very fortunate. But I define success as having choices in life of what you want to do, how you want to do it, and when you want to do it. Now, your, your book is called Book More Business, and you really are all about how do we get more business? How do you get more? In, in particular, your focus is speaking, but most of the, the lessons that you apply to speaking really do apply to any business, don't they? It's true. Uh, you know, something interesting. When I started Book More Business, um, one of my clients, uh, like my, I think it was shortly after my first year in business, had a company, another company, and he spoke, uh, but also had this company. And he said, he came and heard me at his chapter, and he said, you know, the sales tools that you talk about would be applicable, applicable to my company. Would you like to come in and speak to them? I said, sure. So I went in, I did a program, and I thought, it is applicable, the marketing and sales philosophy that I believe in, which is relational selling, really works. And so I started another little organization called Fast Forward Selling, where I did sales programs for corporate sales teams. Um, and I really enjoyed doing that. I stopped doing it uh, several years ago. I've got a bad back. And the, tra- the travel was just too much between the two. And I chose book more business working with speakers. So now I exclusively speak to speakers yeah. and, uh, and no one else. But um, you're right. I think that uh, relational marketing skills, good marketing skills, growth marketing skills apply to just about anybody. So what do you reckon are some of the biggest mistakes that people make in trying to sell their business? I know a lot of people heavily depend on social media because it's perceived to be free and they're out there basically just going, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, uh, which, and then they get surprised it doesn't work. What are some of the other mistakes that you think people are making in trying to sell their businesses in either what they do do wrong or what they're not just not doing? I would say two things I would mention. Um, number one, which is kind of one of the basic uh, things that I do for clients, uh, is enabling a speaker to say what they do in a compelling way. I started my business, quite frankly, based on the fact that I thought most speakers sucked in saying what they did when asked. <laughs> and because most speakers would say, uh, Warwick, my name is Lois Kramer and I speak on sales. And that isn't as compelling as saying, uh, Warwick, my name is Lois Kramer and I work with organizations like yours who want to fast forward their selling skills so they'll be better at what they do. So creating a positioning statement um, is one of the big things that I do for clients. I'm kind of uh, known for that around here. And it's something that I enjoy doing because people recognize the power of it once they use it. And uh, it's the answer to what do you do to everything. And you'll notice, for example, when I gave you my positioning statement when I used to do my sales programs, I didn't say how I did it. Mm. Because I want the, the person to consider the number of ways that I do what I do. I, and when, when they say, how do you do that? I would say, thanks for asking. I do that through my speaking, writing, products, and consulting. And then I would shut up again yeah. and wait to hear where their interest lay. And um, so that would be the first. The second was I, I was doing a teleseminar years ago with our friend Patricia Fripp. 
Fripp said to me, um, she calls me Lois Bookmore Business Kramer. And she said, I want to do a, a short teleseminar on what you think the biggest mistake speakers make. So I said, okay, Fripp, ask me the question, then put your feet up. She asked me the question, and to me, it's one word. It's leverage. Speakers are not into leveraging where they've had success. And by that, I mean this. You go out, you give a great speech, everybody loves you, you feel so good, you go back to your office, and you're thinking, okay, how can I make that happen again? And what you need to do is actually think, okay, I just did a great speech for the Bank of America, for example. You need to look and see who would be interested that you spoke for the Bank of America. Who are their big customers? Who are their suppliers? What associations does Bank of America belong to? Because most associations that they belong to would probably uh, have a need for your message because they're in the same business. What accounting firms? What credit unions? What insurance companies? And so I think that leveraging is one of the things that a lot of speakers don't do. And I think that that, if you do think about it, it makes your job easier by calling up and saying, hey, my name is Lois Kramer and I work with organizations who want to fast forward their selling skills. So they'll be more successful at what they do. I'm reaching out to see if you think one of my programs would be a good fit. And I'm calling you because I just spoke at Bank of America. And I know that they have some of the same challenges that you do. And so I thought I would approach you and see if you think I might be a fit. Yeah, yeah. So you're getting the instant credibility and then the leveraging of what you've done. That's great. Exactly. Interested in um, the, the first point you made, and that this has been my experience being on the receiving end of salespeople in general, is that they don't shut up. Like it's, they're very, so busy talking about themselves. How important is it for salespeople to actually find out what the problem is? You know, you're, this is a great question. And um, my sense is like yours, Um, especially I'll tell you consultants and speakers have a tendency to talk too much. And if you can believe it, this is one of the things I say to the groups I speak to, you're talking too much. And they don't kick me out or beat me up afterwards, which is a real plus. (laughs) Especially for speakers. That's exactly right. And they don't throw rotten fruit at me. They're really very nice to me. Very polite. I get away with a lot. But here's the thing, that when you over talk, what you're doing is really communicating an insecurity. Because you feel like you need to keep building yourself up, building yourself up, building yourself up. This is a common mistake for people early in their careers. And they're over-talking their prospect. And really, what what a good sales sales discussion is, it's a two-part. It's listening, talking, and listening. And I tell my clients, you have eight seconds or less to say what you do. Because people are not that into you. They just aren't. So you have eight seconds. After you say what you do, you stop talking. And you let the other person say what they want to say. And sometimes it's going to be, uh, tell me how you do that. Also, sometimes it's going to be, and I've had this happen to me at networking events. How nice for you. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) You know what that means. I have no interest in what you do at all. You've just saved yourself a ton of time because, okay, you are not a prospect. You're not into me. Great. See you later. Next. That's exactly it. And, you know, the point is, for those of us uh, like me who are solopreneurs, we don't have time to waste with people who have no interest in us. So I think our challenge is to be as productive as we can in the time that we allot to outbound marketing, networking, reaching out, that kind of thing. And you can't do that if you're talking too much. And this is a common mistake. I, you know, another example, yesterday, uh, I began working with a, um, a speaker who is in the third year of his business. And he has a website. He said, well, we developed a positioning statement. And he said, I want you to look at my website. So I said, okay, and we'll talk about it. So we got together on Zoom, just like you and I are doing today. And I had written up a report. And I said, I'm going to email you the report, but I wanted to talk to you before I did. The report is highly critical. And I want you to know I'm doing this, not because I enjoy being critical. I'm doing this to try and help you. And what was the most horrific part of this whole thing, and of course I'm not mentioning names, um, (laughs) is on the homepage, five pictures of himself. And he talked about everything that he has done. His insecurities were showing. And you said you feel like you have to build yourself up and earn attention. I'm saying take attention take it and then you let them know if this conversation is going to continue if they're a prospect for you um you know on on his homepage, i said i want a business portrait picture of you one i want your positioning statement underneath your logo and that should be what i see in when i first go to your screen of your homepage. um and my sense is this warwick that when we're approaching people to try and get customers, they don't care what we've done in the past at this point. They want to know what can you do for me right now? And before they write a check to us, I think they're going to want to know, have you done this before (laughs) and look at your bio? But at first blush, they don't care what we've done. They just want to know how can you, you know, I always say, Businesses hire us to move the needle in some way regarding performance, engagement, productivity, profits, shareholder value. They're looking for you to move the needle. So you've got to address that. This is the, this is the high content program I can bring to you that will bring changes you can apply immediately in your workplace. That's what they want to know about. Not that I, uh, I'm a high school graduate and I went to college at university of blah, 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 blah. Nobody cares. <laughs> It's, it's, it's soul destroying that no one actually cares about us. And don't you understand? I have a massive ego that I have to feed and my, my clients aren't doing that. What the hell? I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> uh, so how do we, how, how do we get over ourselves? And I think this happens with whether you're selling a car, whether you're selling a house, whether you're selling stationery often we want to make it all about us and particularly as a speaker, because man speakers have got the most delicate and the largest egos I've ever come across. So how do we get over ourselves and make it the shift that focus to the customer? Well, you know, I think that most people get over it 
when they find out that it doesn't work when they're talking about themselves or shining a light too brightly on themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of this comes from experience doing it. Yeah. And that's what I tell people. I get approached all the time. I'm going to our convention in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to be approached by people who say this. Lois, I hate talking about myself. I'm just not comfortable doing it. And you know what my reply will be? You need to get another line of work then. Because who do you think is going to talk about you? <laughs> so we have to be self-involved to some extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But remember, the people, when we're first introducing ourselves to people, they are just not that into us. And I think that that's something that we learn from doing it. As I said, before somebody writes a check, they're going to want to know about your background, and they're going to want to know about your experience. And they may, they're going to ask the questions that are germane to, to their decision-making process. Let them do that. Don't think you have to lead. Yeah, yeah. And that's it, isn't it? It's that, that they'll, they'll ask about us and our personalities and, and our experience. But later in the sales cycle, you don't need to slap them in the face with it the very first thing. Yeah, absolutely right. It, yeah, it yeah. should come later. And it should come organically from your conversation growing and the relationship growing. Yeah. Hey, um, I want to shift tack for a little bit um, and talk a little bit about Buddy the Intern. Uh, how, how long have you had Buddy the Intern in your business? Buddy the Intern uh, recently turned four. And before Buddy, it was Willie, the intern. Right. Uh, and um, when he passed, I started um, training Buddy to be my intern. And his responsibility in, in this organization is a heady one. He's chief of joyfulness. He is my security dog, lets me know when a package is at the front door or, or the mail has arrived. And he is uh, Mr. Calm Waters. He's my joy whenever I'm upset, nervous, distraught, which I have to not too often. And let's face it, <laughs> when, you're running, when you're running your own business, that can happen quite a bit. <laughs> well, it can. And I mean, you know this, you know this. This can be a lonely business. This can be, a, I mean, we're on our own. Um, Buddy the intern follows me around, sits by my desk, behind my chair. If I go into another room, he follows me, lays down, stares at me. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, I, I love having a dog. My husband and I have had a dog almost every year in our long marriage. And we just love having a dog. I just love the company. And I know I'm preaching to the choir by telling you that because you do too. But um, Buddy is extremely important to, uh, to the workflow here by keeping me going and happy. Yeah. And, and for those of you who may not have met Buddy, Buddy is a, a Labrador, Golden Retriever? He's a lab. He's a yellow lab. Yellow lab. And was Willie yeah. a lab as well? Yes. And so you've, you, you've got a penchant for Labradors, is that, or are you just yeah, used to that? We, we've had golden retrievers. Um, yeah. I had a, um, a lab shepherd mix um, that I used to call a Shep Lab. Uh, and, um, and then I found through a dear friend of mine, one of my best friends in high school and college uh, is a veterinarian who Warwick was selfish enough to retire. Outrageous six months ago. That's outrageous. And um, if you'll forgive my language, which I know you will, yeah. hey, we're I, sent him, I sent him an email. Now, mind you, he's a dear friend. And when, when he retired, and I said, you selfish son of a bitch. 
He used to come to my home and give the dog shots. He lived <laughs> just a stone's throw from here. Yeah. But he, he suggested a breeder, um, you know, if we were interested. And I was, and I went out. And uh, so that's where I got Willie. And that's where I went back to get Buddy because yeah. it's, it's a great breeder. Yeah. Now, you and I were having this conversation before we started. And that is about, you know, we do some amazing business things. We put all out on social media and no one really cares. But you put a picture of your dog and you've got cartoons. You've got Buddy. Like you're actually using Buddy and his likeness for for business purposes and that really seems to get traction you know um uh, the two things uh when i put buddy up in a post on facebook i'll get a couple of hundred likes and 80 90 100 comments i put my blog post up i'll get a few comments and some likes <laughs> it can be really it can be really distressing but i just <laughs> handled all destroying you think i've been working for years <laughs> And like, he's just a dog and he gets more That's attention. Right. And, and I wonder, am I giving him too much visibility? Somebody's going to offer him a raise and he could be trotting out of this place. But um, I just had a new website designed by a great designer here in the States, Mel DePoli. She's a member. She speaks on marketing. She's a member of NSA. And I used her to create my website. And she came up with the idea of... Uh, having a cartoonist do a couple of cartoons about me and Buddy and putting them on the site. And it was a great idea. Um, I have heard, when I put up and just said, I've got a new website, I hope you like it, you would not, be- you would believe, you would believe. Probably 80% of the comments were, love the cartoons. <laughs> and now you get credit a rod for your back because everyone's going to go, when are you getting more Buddy cartoons? When are you getting more Buddy cartoons? You know, I think I created a monster because I think I'm going to be putting this guy on my uh, payroll. Uh, But this was all Mel's idea, Melanie, and I totally credit her. She's she's just very creative. She's smart. And um, she's, uh, it was her idea. She's just very creative, much more creative than I. So um, just from a business perspective, giving Buddy the profile that, that you have, has that helped you engage with other prospects and clients because it's showed a more human side of you as well? Not that you're not Absolutely. human, of course, but I'm just, you know. <laughs> Thank you very much, by the way. That's yeah, the yeah. nicest thing anybody's said to me in days. Oh, you're looking particularly human today. <laughs> as are you, my friend. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, uh, yes, the answer is a big yes. Um, I just put up a post probably 10 minutes ago on Facebook. You know how Facebook will say two years ago you posted this if you want to repost it. I just reposted it from uh, Julie Holmes over in the UK. And she had, uh, she gave my book a little testimonial, which was nice. Book more business, make money speaking. But she had a picture of her dog holding my book in her mouth. (laughs) And and so I get this all the time. Probably Mm -hmm. half the pictures I got, when people would say, I like your book, they sent me a picture of the book in front of a dog, a dog holding it in the mouth, one with, with a pair of readers on reading my book. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. it does. You know, these are the things that, that make us relatable, that create empathy between us and a prospect and a client. And, you know, one of the things that we all recognize is that people like to work with people they like. Mm. And having a pet is a very likable thing. 
and a relationable thing. Mm. And so this has worked for me for years. Mm. And I enjoy it because I love hearing about uh, I love hearing about other dogs and and uh, love hearing about this. So and other cats and everybody's everybody's own intern. <laughs> but um, so it's created an element of fun. But I think it's also smart marketing. Yeah, and it, I I really do think it makes a difference, particularly this day and age where there is a lot a lot of people who are relying heavily on the technology and heavily on pushing stuff out versus that building the relationship. And there yes. is something about showing you humanity and going, oh, hey, I got that wrong or, hey, I'm sorry I didn't get back to you. My dog needed some attention or something. You know, you can use it for a, a, a humor point as well that Absolutely. people enjoy. Uh, you know, that's a great point. And I'll tell you, one of the things I think as uh, speakers, one of the most important things that you need to establish immediately is a shared experience between the audience and a speaker and that empathy going back and forth. Because when you do, they really tune into you when they start thinking, well, she's just like I am. She's not perfect. She makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, that's when, that's when people really start listening to you and tune into you. Yeah. And so I, that's why I said, I think it's smart business too, because I think it just allows you to relate on a whole different level which can be really um, can deepen the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, when we see a speaker or a consultant or something, basically telling us how good they are and how wonderful they are, you just got that, that, uh, Oh no, that's that doesn't feel right. But once there is that humanity of got, Oh mate, I did a colossal stuff up or I've done da da da. You just like, Oh man, I can relate. And once you've got that relationship, it just connects you. I, I, I think so. And I think you said it well, I think it's a challenge to all of us on, uh, for example, social media, where our reach is worldwide. And um, I've got so many friends in Australia that I don't get to see, except when I'm Zooming, like we are, or doing FaceTime, or exchanging emails. The way I have gotten to know my friends at first was through social media, typically. Mm -hmm. And so it is a way to relate and, and make yourself more human and relatable to people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to keep chatting to you, particularly speak, being about you know Buddy and Winston the Wonder Poodle. But I'm going to have to wrap things up before we do. You mentioned your book before, uh, the uh, Book More Business, which is also the name of your your business itself, Book More Business. But you've just got another one coming out, a little joint venture with the lovely Kathy Fiok. Is that how I say yes. it? Yes. Thank you for mentioning it. Just came out last week. It's called The Speaker Author. The subtitle is Sell More Books and Book More Speeches. And Kathy works with speakers who want to write, write a book. And yep. in fact, I hired her uh, for, my, for my book, Book More Business, Make Money Speaking. I hired her to do everything except write the book, oh, uh, to find me a publisher, yep. uh, to, you know, get, get the printing done, get the editing, graphic, everything. And to keep me on a timeline, which was not the easiest job. In the oh, world. It's like that accountability. It's the sort of whip in the background. Yeah. Keep going. You know, I'm a consultant who hires consultants. <laughs> I would not be very authentic if I said, well, personally, I'd never hire one, but I'd love you to hire me. <laughs> um, I hired her to keep my feet to the fire and she did. Yeah, yeah. And she approached me and said, I would love to write a book on how we can use books to leverage speaking and how to use speaking to leverage books. And that's exactly what we did. The speaker author, it's on Amazon now. And Kathy and I, in fact, are doing a program in a couple of weeks at our Denver convention on the book. Fantastic. And um, I met Kathy a couple of years ago. She's 
so down to earth and, and a very, very smart lady, very much like yourself. Hey, Lois, if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about how you might be able to help their speaking business or to find out more about you know, get, getting better at sales and booking more business, what's the best way to get in touch? I think the best way to get in touch is through my website, which is bookmorebusiness.com. You can send me a message if you need anything. You can read exactly what I do, how I do it, what my fees are. Uh, everything is on my site, including the cartoons of Buddy, which might interest you. There but you that's go. the best way to get a hold of me. Okay, bookmorebusiness.com. Send a picture of your dog. Lois will love it. She will. Uh, hey, thank you so much for your time today, Lois. It's been delightful chatting with you. This has been such a pleasure. Thanks for asking, friend. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I've been your host, Warwick Mary. I look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Mary. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Mary. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy your success.